Good morning, church. Good morning, City Life. So grateful that you are all here. So grateful that we get to be church together one more week, even though we're far apart. Our call to be this church that loves Jesus, pursues Him with everything, remains. And so let's start our word, our sermon for today, for this week here. A few months ago, a giant in the Christian world, a giant in Christian apologetics, passed away from cancer. And it was a sad day. Because this was someone that the, really the global church looked up to. He was world class in his understanding and teaching and communicating of uh, Christian apologetics, of the harder questions to answer, of the places in scripture where we have to wrestle, of the tough questions that the world rightfully asks of our faith, that our faith has something to say. And it was a sad day. I did not know him personally, though he was an official CMA worker. I did not know him, but I admired him, and I looked up to him, and I looked at his content often. And it was a sad day when he passed, but more and more, every day becomes sadder, it becomes more tragic, and it also becomes so much more sobering when stories about his whole life, stories about the totality of his life, of the secret things that he fed, of the dark places in his soul, it's becoming sadder and so more sobering that this talented man, this man who knew so much about our scripture, so much about our faiths, and could communicate it so well, he didn't let that transform him. He didn't let it heal him. He didn't let... He didn't become a man who was so personally changed that he could stand in front of all these public gatherings and say... This gospel has changed me in every part of my life. And I'm not God. I am never going to assume I know how God judged him. But it's sadder and sadder every day that he's not here to repent from what he did, from the life that he led. And for our sake, the reason why we start here today, in the middle of our spiritual, their spiritual gift sermon series, is because I look at this man who was so talented, he was so gifted, he had so much knowledge and wisdom about our redeeming Savior, and yet he lived a very abusive and corrupt and manipulative life. Now just as a note, he was a CMA worker in our denomination, is looking into how we make what he did right. But it's just so, it's so sad that this man's public life didn't match his private life. That he was lived, able to talk about Jesus so well and live such a duplicitous life that should be a sobering, alarming for all of us to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, what kind of lives are we living? And so in our spiritual gifts sermon series, we look at this and we have to declare a few things right now. <laughs> We declare that the spiritual gifts are never God. That the spiritual gifts alone do almost nothing to bring wholeness to your life. To bring freedom to your life. To make you look more like Christ. Alone the spiritual gifts can do nothing for you. Power and the show and being talented and being gifted are always so seductive to our nature. And so we need to be about Christ first in all areas of our lives. I remember when I was uh, working as one of the campus pastors in Nyack College, I remember saying to myself when I was first learning about uh, the spiritual gifts and actually applying them into my life and living, taking chances, faithful risks for the Lord and 
praying for people and going after, I remember saying to myself, both explicitly and somewhere just deep down in my heart, if I am only a part of deliverance ministry, if I see God move in this way, if I see the command that God has over impure spirits, then I will believe and there will be nothing in the way. I'll have no more obstacles if I taste how strong he was. If I see him show up in the room and just have his way, and when he says it's time for something to end and I see him end something, then, then I'll believe there will be no more obstacles. There will be no more doubts. There will be no more times when I go and I feed my pride. There will be no more times when I see God move and then feed my lustful thoughts. There would be no more time I would see him move and I would really believe. My public life and my private life would look the same. And I think, oh, I think we carry this. I think almost all of us carry a statement like this somewhere in our faith. If only I see this, then I'll do this. If only I'll see this, I'll be truly convinced all my questions will be answered and then I'll completely change. My private life and my public life will look the same. If only X, then blank would happen. I think some of us fill in those blanks with the spiritual gifts. I think that we say, Lord, if I saw, if I was a part of prophecy, man, I would believe you. If I was a part of discerning the spirits, man, I would never doubt you again. If I saw a physical healing, if I saw a deliverance, then there would be no more room for doubting or no more room for my secret life or what I do in private. I would be able to live my whole life in front of everyone and everyone would see what I'm doing. But we believe that this life is about the giver of the gifts and never the gifts. Never just the gifts. The gifts alone do very little to make you more like Christ. To make you genuinely believe. To make your doubts go away. To wrestle with scripture. It might for a bit, especially when it's new and exciting like most things in life, it might spur you a couple of times for a couple of weeks, for a couple of months. If you're lucky for a couple of years, it might really make a difference. And it should make a difference. But alone, the spiritual gifts are not God. They will not do what only God can do for you in your life. Like me, a part of deliverance ministry, seeing God move weekly, daily at times, seeing him bring freedom into people's lives, then I would go away and I would do what I've always been doing. So City Life, let's come together and make some declarative statements about our spiritual gifts, that we believe in them, we affirm them, that they are good, but they are not God. That we are a body of believers who pursue giving our whole beings to the Lord, to our Father in heaven, to Jesus, our Savior, to the Holy Spirit, our Counselor. And we pursue that above everything else, above any benefit that we get from the Lord. We pursue the Lord first. Before we see him trample over the enemy, which he does all the time, Lord, I believe in you even if I don't see it happen. Lord, it is my duty to let you come into all of my life, where I'm talented, where I'm gifted, where I'm not, where I'm living in secret, and I want to see you change me from the inside out. God first, before any benefit, before any gift, before any power, before any show, God first, 
and God all the way. Change me, Lord. This life is about the giver of the gifts, not the gifts. We put our faith and our trust on the giver of the gifts, never the demonstration. The gifts are great, and we are called to live in them daily, honestly live in them daily, but the gifts alone are never God and can never do what only God can do. And so let us pray as we enter into the, the text for our, for our church this morning in 1 Corinthians 12. But first, let's declare that we belong to Jesus, that we seek the gifts because we're told to, but that we love the giver, not the gifts. And so please pray with me, City Life. Church, Lord, we come before you humbly and we ask for you to come everywhere that we are this morning. Though we are far, we're not apart. Though we're distanced, we're not isolated. Lord, come into every home, come into every heart that knows you, confesses you as Lord, who believes that you are our Savior. And I pray for healing, that you would come and heal the places in our souls that are wounded. Lord, come with your healing touch. Lord, the places that we live in secret and in darkness, Lord, shine your light in those areas. We need you to do this. To live lives that are wholly dedicated to you, wholly dedicated to the work that you want to do in and through us, that we would allow you to bring wholeness into our life. That every day we would get to know your gifts, not because we love the gifts over you, but because we are so in love with you and we want to manifest you all the time. And so, Lord, we accept the healing work that you have in us as we look into the gifts to see what is it about the gifts that you call us to something special, to live abundant lives, to see you working all the time. Lord, trans transform us, our whole lives, completely to you, to look more like you. I pray for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, City Life. My name is Ro, and I'll be reading scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 11. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. This is the word of the Lord. Glory be to God. Now, Church City Life, this is the third, our third week, our third sermon in our Spiritual Gifts Sermon Series. The first week we looked at Moses. 
We looked at God calling him through the bush. We looked at all of Moses' ex excuses, the fact that he was a second act Moses. And God just penetrates all of his excuses by asking a simple question. He just says, what is that in your hand? And Moses gives him his staff, and his staff becomes an instrument of God's miracles to come. And so we see that God calls us, he equips us with what we have. That God knows us, he made us, he knows everything about us. He called the, mo the least remarkable, remarkable version of Moses, and he says, I can work with that. Here, let me give you this. And he does that for you and for me. Last week we looked at Romans, verses, uh, chapters 1 and 12. And we started to define what a spiritual gift was. That the biblical definition is probably unlike what we are used to seeing or the struggle that we see behind spiritual gifts. Some people love the power. Some people show off. Some people do this. Some people are told, no, never do that. That doesn't belong from God. Or stop praying like that because that isn't a God. And then we see, really, that the spiritual gifts are all about the edification of another person, the building up of another person's faith. That anytime you do anything to build up another person's faith, if you are doing that out of your faith, tapped into the power of God, then you are probably acting out in one of your spiritual gifts. That it's not about a systematic list. It's not about, okay, checklist, go take this survey online, and that's the one you have. You have that from now until the day you die. No, it's not about all that. But it's that this Holy Spirit empowers them in all of us, and He works them out, and He gives it to us as he chooses, as he decides. And sometimes you act in one gift and you never see that happen again. But that one time it was just super special. But it's all about uh, to bring God glory and for the building up of another person's faith. That it's a much more natural, it's a much more normal part of living than we may have thought before. And so we have this open... We have this working definition that's still pretty raw. And then we've said that a spiritual gift is for building of another person's faith. Today, we're picking up our definition. We're putting it back on the wheel, just like a, a potter puts clay on his wheel and starts spinning it to make something new. We are continuing to hone what it is that spiritual gifts are, how we're called to live in them, and which ones we might have or might be called to. And we're going to start here in first Corinthians, this 1 Corinthians 12 passage. Honestly, we could spend the re easily the rest of the year, several months into next year, just on these first 11 verses alone. But we're somehow going to try and tackle all of this so that we can keep on moving forward in, in our sermon series so that this doesn't take as long as Mark did. Forgive us for that, please. We pray. So let's start with our first point. Our first point is I've been calling uninformed Christian. If we just look at the first three verses of this, there's just so much to unpack already. But let, let me paraphrase this in, in, in my own words and how I think what the Holy Spirit is communicating through Paul here. He's saying this. He's saying, I don't want you to be uninformed. I love that. Uninformed. I don't want you to be uninformed about the spiritual gifts. He's like, remember when you were a pagan and you worshipped these mute idols? Remember that when you were led astray and somehow you, you were worshipping these idols that couldn't talk back to you? Remember when you served these idols that they were just wood or 
there was some iron statue or remember all of the, you worshipped all of these things that were mute some translations say dumb which really is the old way of saying mute couldn't speak remember all of that remember when you were doing all this and then you and they couldn't talk back to you well now also here you when you say yes to Jesus if you have the Holy Spirit, then only God can ever say, can ever lead you. Only the Holy Spirit could ever lead you to say, Jesus is Lord. And no one who has the Spirit also says, Jesus is a curse. No one curses the name of Jesus if they really have the Holy Spirit. And so there's a lot to unpack here. Let's talk about these couple of things. Paul here isn't saying, he isn't just saying that, okay, if, if you know the Lord, you can't say these. Anyone can say that. I, I said it as I read this. And also a non-believer can easily say, you know, Jesus is Lord and not mean it. But that's not what Paul's talking about. He's talking about something so much deeper that impacts how we live with the spiritual gifts. Remember Matthew 7, 21 and 23? Remember that in, in this parable Jesus is telling, or in this story Jesus is telling, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. See, this is so much deeper than just saying this. It's so much deeper to hear what Paul's really saying. is like, you know what? If you truly know Jesus and you truly have the Holy Spirit, then the totality of your life will show that you cannot say your life, everything that you do does not show, say that you think Jesus is cursed, but that you call him Lord. So what's the whole of your life saying? What are you really saying? Not even with your words, because anyone can talk. Anyone can even do... As we see here in Matthew, anyone can cast out demons because Jesus' name carries that power. But do you know me with your whole life? Do you know me with every part of who you are? The, the reason the gifts are important to talk about is because when our whole lives are connected and in the Holy Spirit, in, in God's plan for us, in our will, then do our whole lives show that we really believe that Jesus is the Lord? Can you say that your whole life is living towards honoring Jesus, towards telling people about Jesus, about giving God glory? Can, can we say that, church? Can we say that, Lord, okay, I, go, I work here, but even in there, I just want people to know who you are. I want to make a living. I want to do what you've, what you've given me a passion to do, Lord. I want to code, but I want to code filled with your glory and to tell my coworkers about you. So it's not about what you do, but how you do everything, how you live your whole life. Do you let God and the Holy Spirit influence what you do? Say, Lord, just take everything, and I just want to bring you glory. Does my whole life show that I really say that Jesus is Lord. Paul wants to make sure that we are not uninformed, that the spiritual gifts aren't just about power or showing off or doing these cool things that really honestly are amazing and a treasure for us to see, but that our whole lives are connected to the gifts because the gifts flow out of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not saying that if we don't have any of the gifts, if we don't demonstrate them, then we don't know the Holy Spirit, no. But people who genuinely and truly live with the spiritual gifts is because we live this place with the Holy Spirit, saying our whole lives, Jesus, you are Lord. You are not a curse. You are Lord.
So the totality of our lives so that we are devoted to Christ and his mission, devoted to everything that we can. Lord, I'm not holding myself back from any part of living with you. I want to be super informed, not uninformed, and live, throw my whole self into your Holy Spirit and live with you every day. You see, an uninformed Christian is someone who doesn't know that there's more to life than just waking up every day, day by day, not going anywhere, not taking faithful risks for Jesus, not learning things, not taking risks, not trying this new thing out because you feel God telling you to go over there and talk to that person. An uninformed believer is someone who says, yeah, they might confess Jesus, and I also, to the uninformed Christian, I'm, you might even you might be saved. I don't know. That's not my place. But there's just no umph to your life. There's nothing that like truly shows. There's nothing on paper, or there's nothing that someone can see from far away that says, okay, yeah, this guy, or this guy, or this lady, yeah, they really believe. And so they might even be saved, but they don't know the abundant life that you can have with Jesus. And so here are a few symptoms of what an uninformed Christian life looks like. An uninformed Christian life doesn't see the victory of Christ and only thinks that it's a fairy tale. It's like, oh, it might be a Christian who's been a Christian their whole lives, and so this is all they know, and they're not tapped into the fact that they are victorious with Christ, that God wins whenever he goes up against the enemy. And so God, Christ's victory seems more like a fairy tale than a reality. Or, uh, an uninformed Christian might also think that prayer doesn't do anything. They never go to pray, prayer, they never turn to prayer, they only go in desperation and then they've realized that they have no prayer life and that they can't even hear from the Lord even though he's speaking to us all the time. And so our circumstances are never changed through our prayers because we think they're ineffective and a waste of time. An uninformed Christian still struggles with the sins that they had when they were first believers or even their whole lives because nothing changes, because there's no growth to be had, because things are the way that they are. I can't go overcome that on my own, and that's true. An uninformed Christian doesn't know that there is more to life, that there is victory to be had, that things change and grow, and we can look a little more like Christ tomorrow than we did today and we can do something and take risks until it becomes normal and follow the Holy Spirit every time he prays to us and an uninformed Christian doesn't know that that's possible and then for the sake of our word today an uninformed Christian thinks that the gifts of the Spirit are fake because they've never seen God act because they've never felt this nudge of God saying you know go pray for that person and then gone and done it but they explain away everything. They say, oh, it's just, it's just the way it is. Or, no, that was just my voice. That wasn't the Holy Spirit. Or, like, oh, no, like, I don't think that word applies for that person. That's just me being silly. That's just me thinking I know something that I don't. An uninformed Christian is unaware of passages like John 10.10, 10, where Jesus promises that, we, that there's an abundance of life here, even in this life, before we go to the next but that in Christ we have an abundant life available to us with victory and, and risk and learning new things and growing and not looking like the Christian you did a year ago or even a week ago, but that there's more to everything in all of this. And the last thing on this point that I want to highlight is 
is even the the metaphor that Paul uses that the Holy Spirit inspires in Paul to use here in these first couple of in first three verses. He says that when you were pagans and you followed these mute idols, mute and and some other translations say dumb, which is the old English way of saying mute can't speak. The NLT even just goes out and says that you worship gods who couldn't speak back to you. And then he and then look how he ties this bow together when he says, you know what, if you know the Holy Spirit, then you say that Jesus is Lord. That this spirit that we get that is God in us, is manifest in us, causes us to say, Jesus is Lord, and it's these spiritual gifts are like a sign of that, that when we know and live with the Holy Spirit, then these gifts just flow out of us. It's almost there's almost a sense of here of like it's uncontrollable. You know the Holy Spirit and it just comes out and you say Jesus is Lord, whereas these idols that you had were mute, they couldn't say anything. And look at this contrast between these idols that cannot even speak with the God who created everything with just one word, who whose spirit dwells in us and causes us to say Jesus is Lord and how the whole that spiritual gifts are like this symptom that we're just so full with him that you know what oh, I'm going to prophesy right now because the Lord is speaking through me or oh I'm, I have a word of wisdom for you because God cares for you and wants to warn you about something or tell you about something or give you advice for something the Lord wants to heal you and so we just pronounce prayer healing over you right now that's really what the spiritual gifts are about is because we have a God who speaks all the time and so if we know him we speak also because he empowers and gifts us to do the same that we're not mute like these idols that we're not mute like the world <laughs> that the best of the world it really can't do much to bring us out of anything but we have this Holy Spirit that breathes life into us by speaking to us all of the time. To me, this is incredible. It is incredible that we have this promise, that we could partner with God in the work and His plan that He's doing right now. And so let's really dive into that even more when we're talking about a variety of manifestation. Let's, let's look at the four, verses 4 through 11. Let's look at this. A variety of gifts. Look at how much time of the words variety and same come in all the time. There are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. A variety of service, but the same Lord. A variety of activities, but the same God who empowers them all. We sang that song last week. And let's look at verse 7. Because verse 7 to me ties this whole... It's one of two verses that ties this whole chapter together. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And then it lists some utterance of not wisdom, utterance of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, various tongues, prayers of healing, interpretation of tongues. And that all these are empowered by the one and the same Spirit who are portions each one as in each one individually as he chooses and we are going to get eventually into the spiritual gifts into the ones that are listed so we can better understand them because they can change they will change our lives when we see them but we're still they will change our lives when we see them but we're still building up to that we're still working our definition of what a spiritual gift is and so let's break down verse 7 to see three important components to what we need to understand here and the first one is 
the, here how it starts, to each. That spiritual gifts are not reserved for the most talented one of us, for the most special, for the most gifted, for the ones who used, who would use them best, to the ones that are more dedicated, to the ones who deserve them most. Each of the spiritual gifts are given to us because it's the Holy Spirit that gives them and empowers them and then compels us to use them. So church, let's realize that there's no sideline Christian in our faith. There's nowhere in scripture that promotes a Christian who needs to get tagged in. There's no part-time Christian. There's no one who's called because they're gifted. There's no one who is equipped because they're gifted. You belong to the body of Christ. God equips you. And so to each and every single one of us, it talks to you and it talks to me. And there's no one who, does, who this verse does not talk to who confesses the name of Jesus that you have been called and you are gifted because the Holy Spirit is the one who does it. There's no ordinary one of us. There's no silent Christian. There's no Christian that is has no gift to offer but each and every single one of us have people that God has put in our way because he, we have to reach them because they will hear a word from us because they will be encouraged for us for us to build one another's faith for someone who has never heard of the name of Jesus for us to go after them and generate faith in them each and every single one of us I mean each and every single one of us if I could only say that all morning long, I would, but each and every single one of us are called and equipped. The second part of this is, the, is that we are manifesting. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. This manifestation. Is, this word is only, this Greek word is only used twice in the scriptures. So it's not a word that is used lightly. But it means really to manifest, to exhibit, to embody, to live out. That we have been called and we have this awesome call to live out the Holy Spirit, to show the Holy Spirit to the world that when, this, when it's time for a spiritual gift to come and be used, it's because the Holy Spirit is making himself manifest in that area to that person. Just think about how incredible that is that we get to be a part of manifesting, of bringing, of exhibiting the Holy Spirit to someone else, that we are these vessels that the Holy Spirit says, okay, I'm going to use you right now, show them who I am, tell them about me, build up their faith and give me glory. That to me is incredible. That you are called to live out Jesus through the Holy Spirit, to every, whenever God is calling you to and equipping you to, it's incredible that we live out the love, love of Christ, the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, to build up people's faith. We manifest the Holy Spirit. We should never think that that is plain or not important. But the fact that we are given gifts to manifest the Holy Spirit, is there a greater purpose? Is there a greater joy for the one who believes in Christ that we can manifest him in this world? How much more does that speak to the fact that we should not have any dark or secret place in our lives, but that our whole lives need to be thrown at the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, 
so move in me that I don't have these areas of my life where I don't look like you. And then the last part of this, is, this verse is the common good. Hey, John Piper, a big pastor here in the country, he writes this. He writes, he gives, the Holy Spirit, gives gifts and ministries for two reasons. To manifest himself and to help us do good to each other in the church. Gifts are for the glory of God and the good of the church. And so church, we are gifted, we are equipped, we are given these spiritual gifts. And it's rarely to benefit you. We, we benefit from them when we live them out. But it's more out of relationship with the Holy Spirit than anything else. But we are given these gifts for the common good, to build up one another's faith. And so we take three, these three components about this and we take it to our definition and we refine it more, right? We're adding to our definition week by week to, at the end to truly know what a spiritual gift is and what the pur- their purpose are for. And so this here is our definition, our third version of our definition. And we say that a spiritual gift is any action that manifests the Holy Spirit in order to build up the faith of another. I'll say that again. Our working definition for a spiritual gift is this. A spiritual gift is any action that manifests the Holy Spirit in order to build up the faith of another. It's an incredible promise that God, number one, that God would even think of us in the first place, but that he tells us and he gives us purpose and he gives us a role to play in his work, in his mission for all of creation Church, this is not normal. This is not something that we should just roll on by casually. That we are, have the ability to manifest the Holy Spirit through these gifts that He gives us and empowers that it's those one Spirit that is over all of these gifts. And so we get to partner in with God to build up the faith of another and bring Him glory. That is incredible. So that causes us to realize that whenever we have a word for someone, whenever God's telling us to pray for someone, whenever God wants healing to come, whenever wants God, whenever God wants spiritual freedom over anyone's life, then who are we to say, Lord, not me, or Lord, oh, I don't think so, or Lord, I'm on, a, I'm on the path train right now, or Lord, this is, will be so weird, my coworkers will look at me, oh, this, like, this, if the Lord wants to manifest, then we should be about manifesting him. How much greater is the fact that we can say we are part of manifesting the Spirit than maybe being made fun of? Or not hearing Him clearly sometimes and messing up. Having to apologize, oh, I'm sorry, that was just me. That Okay, I'm sorry. But Lord, I'll look foolish for you. I'll do what you have for me. And every time we try and do this, we'll get better at it. You and me, every time. And that causes us to talk about our last part for today. Knowing our part. We're not going to be able to give the rest of the chapter justice because we just don't have the time. But on your own time, go out and read verses 12 to 31. Read the rest of this chapter. We're really only going to be able to focus on one chapter here that I think is the second verse that just ties up this whole chapter together. And it comes out of verse 13. Verse 13 says this, For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Now, unfortunately, today we don't have time to just continue to talk about how radical the call was to not 
think of ourselves as Jews or Greeks or slaves or free, that call change, it, it confronts us to this day. That there's no boundaries that separate us in Christ. No matter who you are, where you've been, that you belong to Christ, if you say yes to him, should be incredible every day of our life. But let's look at the metaphor that Paul uses here. That we're all baptized into this one body, and so all of, our, all of this body needs to work together. And that we were made to drink of one spirit. I think this metaphor just continues to give purpose to the image of us being a body. Yeah, it, it talks for the rest of this chapter, it talks so yeah, how, like how, if an eye doesn't want to be an eye or a hand doesn't want to be a hand, yeah, that's all true, but look at the purpose that we are told that being one body gives us. That we don't just, we don't just exist together. We're not one body just because we're supposed to be friendly or have fun with one another. We're not supposed to be a family just because being a family is a good thing. But we share in purpose together. And it's to drink of the Spirit together. And, and the purpose that this gives us is that we need to be living with this together. Because I can't do all of these spiritual gifts. You can't do all of them. There are some of us who will pray and know distinguished spirits. There are some of us who will have words. And well, the Holy Spirit won't use others. And so we have all been knitted together because together we have all of the gifts. And so we need all of the gifts for all of Jersey City Church. The church in this city has all that we need because God is empowering. And so we need to go out there together. We share in this purpose, not just because it's nice to be a family, but because we have this purpose of spreading God's glory and telling the world about Jesus. And so we need all the parts to do all of the functions. We need all of the spiritual gifts. I don't have them all. You don't have them all. And so we need to do this together. We need to drink from this all the time. Drinking in the Spirit, being filled by Him, being led by Him, and then going out and doing this together. And so, church, we need to be united. We need to be united with other churches because we can't do everything alone. We're never called to do this all alone, but we are part of the body. And the body has the spiritual gifts. The body have all the parts so that we can do this. When God is calling us to do this so that we can do this. This isn't on, this isn't on the path, me, this isn't on Ryan, this isn't on the staff, this isn't on MC leaders. It's on all of us to do all of this together and to live this out with one another. Man, what an incredible call. And so let's conclude with this. Let's, let's try and put all of this together somehow. So to conclude, I'm kind of cheating here. I'm kind of breaking one of the preacher rules because... I'm throwing in a fourth point here, so but I'm sorry, we just this is gonna wrap it all together, I hope. But remember, let's remind ourselves that First Corinthians isn't a book with separate chapters. You read this one, you put it down, you forget about it, you move on to the next chapter, but no, this is a letter that's developing that has one purpose on one mission, and then one thing feeds the next, and then this thing was inspired because of what came before, and it is building this one message. And so let us note that the spiritual gifts section of 1 Corinthians, verses uh, chapters 12, 13, and 14, come directly after the Lord's Supper. And this is what I think the Holy Spirit is telling us through this letter. To me, it has a, letter, a layer of significance to the gifts because it's saying, you know what, take this communion with me, do this sacrament 
this holy sacrament that unifies all the Christians of all ages. And then you know what? Once you eat my body, once you drink my blood, once you say yes to the covenant that Jesus offers, and when you go out and you repent and you go out and you live with the Holy Spirit, the result, the natural result, is that we will see the gifts of the Spirit. We bring Jesus honor, we live for Jesus, we go to his table, take his supper, and what will result with that is a life full of seeing miracles, full of seeing incredible things happening, unexplainable things happen, because we're living for Christ together, because we're living with his spirit together. It's not an accident that, the, that this comes right after the Lord's Supper. It's not an accident that Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write it in this order. That if we live our whole lives dedicated to Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit for the glory of the Father, then we're going to see these things happen. We're going to be about bringing people to faith. We're going to be about generating and upholding, generating faith in one another and upholding one another when we need, when we're struggling, when we're tired, when we need to be held up, when we need a word, when we need to be encouraged. We're one body, we're one family, we belong to Christ, and if we live out of this place, then we're going to see incredible things happen. And what a gift, what an honor it is to even just say, Holy Spirit, we get to partner in with what you're doing. Do it in me first so that we can go out and do it in other people. And so City Life, to you and to me, that I think that speaks, let us be a, communi- a community that embodies the gifts, not because we love the gifts, only the gifts, but because we love the giver of the gifts. We love our Father, we love our Savior, we love our Holy Spirit, and they empower us to go out and do them. They're telling us, each and every single one of us, to manifest His glory for the common good, to build up one another's faith, to generate new faith in other other believers, people who will become a part of this family that we love so much. That we people who are honest, who honestly take our whole lives to the Lord and say, Lord, use it and change me. Make me look like you more every day. This is why we seek the gifts. This is why the gifts are, no, I don't want that. Instead of this is why we seek the gifts. This is why we love the gifts, because they're given to us by the one who loves us and changes us. And so church, today we have our one big call together. Let's join, we're gonna have communion, we're gonna remember what the Lord did for us, and then we're gonna break up into groups and talk about how do we live this life together with power and effectiveness? How do we go out? What have we seen happen to us in the past? How can we continue to grow in the spiritual gifts, not because we want only the power or the demonstration or to know that we're truly loved because we are, but to be so filled with the Holy Spirit that we are obedient children. And so let's join this call. Let's catch up with one another. Let's be family together. And then we'll also just answer some prompt questions. Church, we love you. Here are our questions. Can't wait to see you all. Prompt question number one. Prompt question number one is just to say hi and catch up with the people on your call. Remember, we're going to be speed dating this, so every group will be different. Say hi to someone, meet someone you might not know very well, and let's catch up. Prompt question number two. 
Have you ever felt, or do you currently feel, like you are living like an uninformed Christian? Here's prompt question number three. What does our working definition of the spiritual gifts speak to you? This is our definition, our current definition. A spiritual gift is any action that manifests the Holy Spirit in order to build up the faith of another. Church, we love you so much. Can't wait to see you. Hop on this Zoom call. Hop on our MCs. And join me on our prayer calls this week. We're continuing those because we believe prayer is so important, the primary work of a believer. And so let's join on the call. We love you so much. I'll see you soon.